Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. NBC Sports, Football Morning and American columnist Peter King. What do you think about the Chase Thomas podcast? I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, everything school HQ, down there in Dequila, Georgia. My good friend, Philly University of North Georgia alumni, Matt Green, is here. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, sir. It is, uh, it is good to be back with you on a, on a lovely Wednesday night. Uh, Thursday morning, of course, our, our loyal listeners are listening. But mm. uh, yeah, man, how you been? Uh, I am just struggling to figure out. We're going to New York this weekend. Uh, the Tennessee Sports Bar in New York uh, got that book. So very excited to experience Tennessee, Alabama uh, in New York City as one does. Uh, it's the main main hub of uh, SEC on CBS football. It's where all the all the folks gather and congregate to um, in the in the East Coast is they want to make sure they make the pilgrimage to Manhattan, New York for Tennessee, Alabama. Of course, then na- naturally, that's where the uh, the the volunteers congregate. Uh, but no, that should be an awesome time, man. Like I like I was hyping up that West Virginia bar and mm. and damn vinings. Like that was like a cool experience. So I imagine being somewhere in Manhattan with a with a bunch of Tennessee fans. Mm. Uh, that'd be awesome. Hopefully, it's 
for your sake, it's a it's a it's a time worth rooting for. I mean, I think no matter what, we'll get into it. It will be a highly engaged game that will come down to the final possession. Is something that I can't escape. So that's really what you want. You want to be in it throughout, especially in rivalry games. And we'll just see how the chips fall. But we'll get into Tennessee, Alabama momentarily. Matt Green, um, your team on a buy, and we'll get into some dog bites here as we do each and every week on this very program to check in on the dogs, even with. Uh, the bye week for Georgia before the uh, world's greatest, uh, largest outdoor cocktail party. They don't say it anymore, so you have to you forget what the whole verbiage is uh, these days, Matt Green. But what did you call it? I think world's greatest, but it's world's largest. World's, world's largest, yeah. Yeah. Outdoor cocktail party. Yeah. It's or just a, the I cocktail mean, party. We. I feel like that's the the short term. Just the cocktail party. There you go. I'll just say that the cocktail party. Um, but don't forget, folks, you can watch uh, this very show uh, twice a week during the college football season. Uh, new episodes, full episodes go up on the YouTube show. And if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, hello. And thank you for checking us out here. Uh, YouTube.com slash Chase Podcast. Like and subscribe and like uh, this video, comment what you think about uh, the show in this particular episode, all that good stuff. But new episodes go up on uh, your preferred podcast player, Apple, Spotify, all that good stuff. And everywhere else on Mondays and uh, Thursdays or, uh, for uh, the preview and recap shows each week. Check us out, chasethomaspodcast.com. Full episodes, all that good stuff uh, there. Get in touch with the show at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com for any college football questions or insight you guys might have. And then, of course, if you love the college football show that comes on twice a week with my good friend uh, Matt Green here, uh, make sure to leave us a five-star rating interview on Apple Podcasts and let the good folks know why you like this show. Matt Green, Dog Bites weekly segment even when uh the dogs are not playing uh brock bowers officially gone i kind of broke that news and kind of ruined your night uh on sunday night uh, on this show That's um, true. with friend of the pod uh graham coffee breaking the news that uh tightrope surgery was in the cards for brock bowers he gets surgery this week and uh different degrees on uh when they think brock bowers will be back but if you kind of gather a consensus sec title game seems the most realistic um to make sure he's 100 percent okay um i guess you could maybe say georgia tech some people say tennessee i don't see that that's really really quick and if it is he's more of a decoy uh in that kind of context and i just i don't see the point throwing him in what a game that might decide the east it's a lot um to have time away and then just throw him back into the fold there i understand he's a superhuman but uh, that seems unlikely. Well, the to thing me. is, the one everyone points to is uh, Tua. Back in 2018, he got yeah, the same but... surgery and played 27 days later. So the difference though is that... Tua can stand in the pocket, like quarterbacks and no, tight ends. No, that's end, true. It's just a different kind of player. It's true, but Tua also he didn't look hobbled in that Oklahoma game. Yeah. So that's 27 days. 27 days from Bauer's surgery is the Monday before the Tennessee game. Mm. So I mean, that's kind of a whole nother week. Uh, you know, maybe. What is that? Thirty-one days or so. So I think there is a chance the Tennessee game he does come back because I mean that that is a super important game. You know, it's it's one thing to have a schedule where it's like, oh, you know, we can if we need Bowers, we'll play him, but we can beat these te- all these teams without him. It's like George is getting into the the toughest part of the schedule. So I mean, I think I think you're gonna want him to get back as soon as possible. It's not like you can just go through the motions and and knock off a couple cupcakes. No, and I agree. I mean, I just think as someone who watched Cedric Tillman try and fight back from tightrope surgery last year, 
Um, he missed about a month and he just wasn't the same from then on out. Like he fought and you just didn't know what he was doing. And his like what he was in the pick game where the 13 catches, whatever he, uh, obviously the game winner as well. You never really saw that the rest of the way when he got hurt in the Akron game. I think it was my wedding night actually, um, that he got hurt. Uh, and he was just not the same kind of injury too, like falling out of bounds and gets hit low and you never, you didn't think it was a big deal. And then you find out it actually was a sneaky big deal. Um, I don't know. I just think that's more of a comp to me than two of just because Cedric was a huge dude, wide out, blocked uh, really well, was a great blocker. Brock Bowers, obviously a great blocker, having to use his physicality. I just I have a hard time believing Bowers will be OK in the month and you'll be able to go full go. And it's worth it to throw him out. I understand like he's important. No. He's 25 percent of the production uh, for Carson Beck uh, through the air to this point, just from Brock Bowers alone. But if you're Georgia, you're the two-time defending st- uh, national champions. I understand you have the undefeated streak that you're going for, and Tennessee will be uh, <laughs> the game that may ultimately decide if you break the streak for Georgia. But I just think you have bigger fish to fry. And I think you have to be more careful with Bowers. I think you have to be thinking SEC title game. You have to be thinking college football playoff. But I mean, if, if Tennessee's coming in with one loss, I mean, there is no SEC championship. There is no college football mm. playoff if, if Georgia loses that game. So, I mean, I guess there's a chance, whatever scenarios that they get in as a four seed or something. But I think, I mean, no, who knows how different guys deal with injuries, how severe, what, whatever, you know, you never know, you know, how long and if they're 100% when they get back. But, I mean, I think you're you're going to try to get Bowers back as quick as possible, mm. obviously, you can't necessarily expect him to be a hundred percent for that Tennessee game by any means. So, I mean, if this team can get through this stretch and and get to the playoff, you think by the playoff, he would be a hundred percent, you know, but you know, there's some, there's some big time games that Georgia could have to get through. And, you know, it remains to be seen if they can do that without Bowers. We'll see. Um, how much do you think the offense is going to change? And you get two weeks before Florida. How do you think if you had to guess based on what you've seen thus far, how do you think Bobo is going to use these two weeks to to adjust? And how does this also relate to having to adjust without Jalen Carter last year, maybe two years ago with uh, George Pickens and seeing how Kirby and company handled losing uh, their best offensive player for a little bit of time? Well, in A.D. Mitchell last year, yeah. too, it's like basically the best receiver has been hurt. What who you anticipated to be the leading receiver uh, in 2021 and 2022 preseason got injured and basically missed the whole season both times until the very end um luckily but but for both of those guys they were healthy for the stretch run for georgia and were able to be a factor ad mitchell probably more than pickens but you know bowers has obviously played half the entire season to this point so he'll have half the season under his belt play way more than those guys did but yeah i mean i think this is this is probably the best part, like the silver lining of the whole Bowers injury, that it came on the the week of the bye week so that, you know, Georgia's got two weeks to to figure out how they want to attack offenses. And and it's probably not a not an advantage to Florida getting two weeks to prepare and and you might see a, a completely different look from this Georgia offense without without Bowers. And and maybe it's easier to defend because the best player in college football isn't isn't in it. But I think there's not you have to change something because there's not just some other tight end out there that you're going to like bring into the backfield and you're just going to you're, you're going to throw screen passes to and, and just do all these things just to make to get uh, yards after the catch. That's just not typically how you use a tight end. So, you know, I think Georgia's got that that that's the the biggest thing Georgia does have is 
depth, in my opinion. Like, mm. Lad McConkey is basically the number five receiver coming into this week. Like, uh, or when this team was healthy, with if you count Bowers as one of the receiving options, obviously. But you got Ra Ra Thomas, you got Dominic Lovett. Like, these guys haven't put up huge numbers, but it's because they're the number two and three options in this offense, or maybe even number four with with Roseby Jack Saint as well. So I think this team is really deep at the wide receiver position, and obviously McConkey's healthy. Arian Smith, you know. Everyone was waiting for him to break out, but you got to be able to catch the ball if, if you're going to break out as a wide receiver. And I don't know. I'm not sure if this guy can catch the ball. So they're going to have to hand it to him, let him just run 100 yards if he's going to make an impact. But obviously you saw what he did in that Ohio State game uh, in the playoff last year, but it's kind of his one-hit wonder. Um, but I think this team's got a lot of options, but without Bowers, I mean, Carson Beck, I think, has looked really good. And I, I as good as Bowers has been, I don't feel like it's it's been like uh one of these offenses like, oh, what do you do? Just throw it up to throw it up to Calvin Johnson, throw it up to the best player, and he'll just make a play. You know what I mean? It feels like all of Bowers' plays are kind of within the offense, if that makes sense. Like it's not like they're having to just Beck's just having to hope and pray, oh, every time it's a good play, it's because Bowers made an insane play. You know, it's like this offense has been working on schedule, and Rose Me Jack Saints been making some big plays in the passing game. Ra Ra Thomas. So I think uh I think Georgia should be able to beat every team on their schedule. Minus maybe Tennessee without Bowers, like to that point. Like we're hoping we get Bowers by that point, so we won't have to see. But, I mean, there's definitely a chance Georgia can still run the table with this schedule without Bowers because Carson Beck is one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC, and this defense is still, like, while it might not be up to Georgia standards, like, this team is still the number one defense in the SEC this year. So it's uh, it's it's kind of the different level that Georgia's being judged on that, like, this defense seems suspect, but maybe they're just maybe they're just number one this year and not, like, a historically great defense like they've been the last couple of years. I like it. Uh, Matt Green, college football. What are we? What week are we in now, Matt Green? Week eight. Season Time flies, flies by. sir. Goodness gracious. Well, before we get into our week eight pick em, sir, what can the good folks uh, check back in just to make sure that they are on the same page uh, as you and I are as to who is the college football expert on this show for back-to-back -back seasons <laughs> as it stands right now? Uh, right now, you would be in first place, if that's what you are asking in a roundabout way. Uh, you are 55-22 and 22 overall to my 49-28 and 28 record. And then 40, you are 46-28-3 against the spread this year, sir. Killing it. 59.7%. I am at 41-33-3, just 53.2%. Still, still above 500, you know, so that's, that's, what we're, that's what we're going for. But, uh... Yeah, you're looking good. Six game leads. No, six game lead overall, five game lead against the spread. Going for and then, uh, what are you, Mississippi State of this podcast? Just trying to get a ball. Oh, I'm game saying against the spread. If you're winning more than you're losing against the spread, that's all you can ask for, sir. Okay. I mean Um and then Zeus on the season, uh seven and two, home dogs of the week. So mm. uh we'll we'll see if Zeus can uh can get the people another win this week. Shout out to Zeus. How's the ACL? Doing good, man. His hips good. are looking great. He's uh he's hanging in there. There you go. Love to see it. Uh, we love Zeus and Maddox and Khaleesi on this podcast. Very good uh, dog podcast uh, each and every week, sir. Um, Where are we going first, Matt Green? Where do you want to start it? You want to start it with, uh, with the big game in the south or the big game in the north? 
I think we start with the South. I think people want right, to know where we are at with Bama and Tennessee. We want to go in the South. So let's uh, let's go to the third Saturday in October, sir. Tennessee Volunteers won this game a year ago, as we all remember. Alabama Crimson Tide are a nine and a half point favorite in this one. Tennessee has not won in Tuscaloosa since 2003, sir. Mm. It has been a while. The Phil Fulmer era. How are they going to get it done in Tuscaloosa on Saturday? Been going back and forth on this. And look, this was a long time coming last year in terms of when the last time Tennessee was going to beat Alabama. Um, it's obviously been a very dominated uh, rivalry for uh, in favor of the Crimson Tide of late. But if you go back through the history of this rivalry, what did, what have you noticed, Matt Green? Before 2007, Tennessee. Then it's Alabama in 05. But then 04, Tennessee. 03, Tennessee. 2002 was Bama. A lot of streaks, is that what you're saying? A lot of streaks. This is a streaky rivalry where one side gets going and then they have control of this thing for a pretty good while. Was last year the start of a new streak for Tennessee? Is that where we're at? Here's the thing. If I'm going to predict that Alabama is going nine and three before the year, that Alabama, by the way, folks, and you said eight and four, by the way, no, I said nine and three. You said, said eight and four was on the table. I said eight and four was on the table. You said he's retiring. It still very much might be on, <laughs> in the cards. Um, although I am leaning more we towards that. We got receipts. Uh, well, what the look nine and three, eight and four. Who's to say? Um, <laughs> With all that being said, when I think about this and the nine and three, eight and four stuff, Iowa winning more regular season games than Alabama this year, which is very much in play, and I think very much might happen still. The one loss Hawkeyes finding ways to win, getting the dub against Wisconsin last week, and I called them an Iowa type team this year. Tommy Reese is not a good offensive coordinator. Alabama is not the Alabama of old. They have one loss. They really played with their food again last week against Arkansas at home. And when one one of the things that is an issue for Tennessee on the road, like we've seen it at Florida this year. We saw it at Georgia last year. We've seen certain SEC venues. We saw it at South Carolina late last year. Tennessee struggles with hard, crazy crowd noise in road SEC environments in the hype era. We've seen it. Do you know who has a sleepy crowd, Matt Green? Who no one ever says, man, going into Tuscaloosa, couldn't hear the snap count. It was it was tough walking into Bryant oh, Denny. Oh, man. Is it, are you Eric Angin in it right now? It's not Eric Angin because Georgia has more potential. I don't think Bama has it. Like Chris Marler's on it, talking about it on Twitter and stuff, where it's like the crowd, I mean, it wasn't that lit. You didn't hear Texas going into Tuscaloosa. They weren't really phased by that environment in the afternoon. I don't think that's going to be a problem. And that's been the biggest just killer for Tennessee is these pre-snap penalties because they can't hear the snap count, motion issues, all that kind of stuff. They put themselves in these holes uh, at Florida and Georgia where it's just hard to crawl out of and it's just hard for their offense to ever get in a rhythm. I don't think they're going to have that problem. Remember, two years ago... Is Florida the only road game so far this year? year? In the SEC? Just period. That's Tennessee's only road game this year, right? Well, Virginia was a neutral site, and then okay, um, yeah, yeah. So that's that's the yeah. only one. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Continue. No, 
I just look at it. I think Tennessee two years ago, they were in this game in the fourth quarter. They had nothing in the secondary at that point. Obviously, a dearth of talent with all the guys in the portal, and this is a very different team. Tennessee is loaded uh, on defense, especially on the defensive line. Alabama has given up the most sacks of any SEC team. James Pierce is the best edge rusher in the SEC right now. Tennessee's defensive line is going to get home. They, there's no path to Alabama being able to stop Tennessee from sacking Jalen Miller a lot. I don't think this has any way of not being a close game late. I think this is going to be low scoring. I think you're going to see a lot of parallels to what we saw against AM last weekend. The only difference is I think I trust AM's offense a little bit more. Like obviously you're on the road and that's a little bit different for AM, but the Vols have an identity. And this is something I've been thinking about all week. I understand the explosive offense and the explosive passing plays haven't come and they probably won't come the rest of the way. Jalen Wright's the best back in the SEC right now. He is an absolute mammoth and the three-headed monster of Jabari Small, Dylan Sampson, and Jalen Wright. They went up against the number one rush defense in college football last week and you never would have known a was the number one rush defense in the, in the conference after that game. They're going to run the football in Alabama. Here's the other part of it, though. Tennessee's the number one rush defense in in the SEC right now. You can't run on Tennessee either. That was the staple last year, and they're just better this year. Bama hasn't been able to run the ball effectively all year long. Milrow, to win this game, Milrow is going to have to take the top off multiple times. They're going to have to be an explosive team that they haven't been all year long. The Vols have more 10-plus yard plays than Alabama this year, which is crazy because when you watch Tennessee, that's just you would never guess that. But this is not an explosive Bama offense. They're not lighting it up with explosive plays. I don't... Everything's... Like, if this was at Tennessee this week, I think we'd all just be looking at it it's like, yeah, Tennessee's just winning back-to-back. Like, it would just... People would be more confident in Tennessee beating Bama at home than they were AM last week, is my guess. Because I think people saw AM as a worse matchup for Tennessee. And I agreed with it, where I was spooked a little bit. This is a neutral side game. I think it's a pick em, maybe a toss-up for Tennessee. They're getting a little bit of points here, and I understand the, the points here for Alabama. is a, It's just way too high. Nine and a half is way too high for this for this line for Tennessee-Alabama. Yeah, I didn't get that. That kind of spooks me a little bit. All this to say, Matt Green, this if Tennessee loses, I don't know how. Is it Joe Milton has the worst game possible? He threw for 100 yards, completed 50% of his passes, and still beat AM last week. Tennessee knows exactly who they are. Josh Heupel proved to himself and this team that they can win a low-scoring game, his first game ever winning when they scored less than 30 points. He's going to have to do that again. I don't think they're scoring 30 points in Alabama this week. I also but don't, don't think, think Alabama, Alabama scoring- has... Don't you think Alabama's a lot more experience winning that way than Tennessee does? Sure, but AM had the players. Like AM, like they had better players than Tennessee last weekend. It's, I just look at it. The things that worry me about Tennessee on the road in the SEC don't worry me against this Bama team this year. This is not the same Bama team. This is a nine and three team. I, if I am going to die on that sword, the losses have to come somewhere. They are going to lose to Tennessee and LSU down the stretch here and finish nine and three. It has to happen. This Bama team is not going to the playoff. They're not finishing 11-1, and getting to the SEC title game, beating Georgia, and just doing the old Bama stuff. It's not happening. The offensive line's severely flawed. They can't run the football. Jalen Milrow has all kinds of flaws. They don't have the dudes out wide, even though they are better this year than a year ago. 
I just don't see it, Matt Green. I can't believe I'm doing this, but this is a, game, a rivalry of streaks. This is a big game for Tennessee to prove that they are over their road SEC woes, that Heifel can win on the road in the SEC in a significant way. I think Tennessee outright wins this game. I think they run all over Bama. Wow. I think Joe Milton hits two explosive plays in this game. I think he gets two. I think Tennessee wins 24, Alabama 21. All right. Yeah, the uh what is the over under on this one is like 48 46. points. Oh, yeah. 48 and a half. Um definitely take, take the, the under. under on this one. These mm-hmm. are two of the worst pass offenses in the SEC. Uh, to this point, but at least Tennessee has that running, rushing offense. Like, Bama's pretty much middle of the road running the ball this year. And like you said, both of these defenses have been really good this year. I will say, Georgia is still the number one rush de- defense in the SEC. Uh, Tennessee, leads in, Tennessee leads in yards per carry. Yeah, that's the uh, main but, one. But Georgia giving up 91 rushing yards a game. No, no, no. We're still... looking at yards per carry, sir. What are you averaging and per carry, Kentucky's sir? Kentucky's at uh, 95 yards game so tennessee's at the fourth in terms of yards per game but um what's happening there a couple teams are tied right there at three yeah kentucky there at 3.1 but georgia fans not accepting the whole defense like you might well i just had to look it up you're saying the number one run defense and i'm like yeah they're average you can (laughs) 2.98 yards per attempt you kidding me no and that's great but what it's based on yards per game. It's yeah, based but that's on the number one game. stat for rushing defense. It's, right. it's not important. It's not important. But Georgia oh is number goodness. one. Oh, my goodness. Anywho. But, no, you look Georgia at these two fans, teams. Folks. Hey, these are facts. You know, I don't, I don't want to mis, mislead the listeners. And we didn't mislead them. 2.9 yards. Tennessee's not, over here giving up the least amount of rushing yards a game. I didn't say <laughs> that. I said best rushing defense. And they do have the best rushing defense. Like, that's the best stat is how much are you averaging per rush? 2.98 yards? You're no, not running on Tennessee it's a, it's right now. It's a solid stat. I'm, I'm with you. Um, <laughs> but I when, I when I went back and forth on this game, I'm right there with you because I, I feel like on a neutral field, I might pick Tennessee. It I, This team is flawed, but it like you're saying, it feels like they have at least more of an identity because like so much of the rush, rushing production Alabama gets, it's, it's Milrow running around making mm. something happen. Like... So it's it's not necessarily oh they're they're lining up and pounding you uh pounding the rock you know what I mean so but I look at this do I think Joe Milton can go on the road and get a win maybe it's maybe it's not the most hostile environment but Alabama fans it's three thirty CBS like they're gonna be up for this one like it's gonna be it's gonna be loud and. I'm not going to Eric Ainge over here and say that Bryant Denny isn't loud. Actually, go ahead. Go ahead and say it. Bryant Denny's not loud. Get the, the bulletin board material. I mean, it's not a top-tier SEC venue in terms of loudness. So I'm definitely with Hold you. Hold on, but just to be clear, would you put it above Florida? Would you put it above No, Auburn? I'm with you. I think, it's, I think it's middle of the road, but I yeah. think middle of the road SEC is is still a rowdy, tough place to play. You I know? don't know. I, mean, I think it's on the low end. I think just the it? fact that it's got 90,000 people or whatever. I think they added yeah. on. I think it's close to 100. I think that that alone it's like you can only you can only be so far down. Like What's it's going to be louder than Ole the construction Miss or at Vanderbilt Arkansas or the crowd noise <laughs> at Alabama. Give me the crowd noise at Alabama. I don't know what to do with that construction. You saw Give it. me the Dixieland delight <laughs> all day. Um but so I I'm with you on Tennessee covering. I feel very confident that Alabama's not winning this game by 9. Like that's 
I, I was shocked when I saw that line. Um, it feels more like a pick 'em, to be honest. And I'm going to take Tennessee with uh, to cover the spread. But I think Alabama finds a way to win this game. Honestly, I I don't know who I'm rooting for in this game. Like, there's certain games you don't like. You turn on and you're like, like I feel like I find myself in the pick 'em some days. Like, ah, I wish I would have picked them. I'm definitely rooting. I'm definitely rooting for them to win. Um, I feel like I'll be rooting for Tennessee to win this game, but I honestly, I honestly don't know. I don't believe um, you. I, there's I want benefits video to proof both on these Saturday. teams. No, There's benefits to both these teams losing. So it's really a win-win here um, if you're a Georgia Bulldog fan enjoying your off week. But Where's I think Alabama's going to find a way. What's that? Where's the family going? Where is Tori, Matt, Mrs., uh, your mom going, longtime listener of the show, the brothers? Are they all going to go with Tennessee? Is anyone going to be on my side this weekend with the dogs off Matt Green? Or is it a collective family affair that wants to see how I this think... pod goes after a loss? I think just just because of you, they might be rooting against Tennessee. But uh, <laughs> wow. but I don't know. I could see people going both ways because I think some people, it's like uh, Alabama. Like I just want to see them gone. Like we need to get that second loss in, and that's the death nail. You know, it's like we can't have this team in the playoff. Um, every week they survive. You know, it's like they gain more strength. But um, I think if you're a Georgia fan, just thinking, you know, this goes both ways. Like I'm I'm, I'm going back and forth. You love when you play big time games and your the teams you play are are ranked higher to make your schedule look better and all that, you know. So th- from that perspective, you want the tennis Tennessee to ranked tenth when Georgia's coming in. It's a big atmosphere. But obviously, if Tennessee loses this game, the game in Knoxville could mean nothing. And Georgia could be coming in as an undefeated team and Tennessee could have two conference losses. So you don't even need to rush Brock Bowers back at that point, if if that's the scenario you fought you find yourself in. So I think obviously there's benefits to um, to Tennessee losing for Georgia, but I think I mean who, whoever roots for Alabama, so like you know what I mean. So I don't know. We'll we'll see. All right, Matt. But yeah, Green- I, did I say the score? I think twenty to seventeen is the score I'm going with. Okay. Final position. I do maybe. think Joe Milton breaks a hundred yards, though. Let's let's hope. I mean, I think he has to get two hundred maybe to win this game. I think he has to be 200, 250. You know, he's never had a 300 yard passing game since he's been a Tennessee starter. Like 10 starts now, never hit 300. Wow. And it's crazy to think with how much I've kind of like disrespected Jalen Milrow this year. Like that's what it honestly comes down to me too for Mm. me. Because I think both of these defenses are going to, to stifle the other offenses for most of this game. Like I think Alabama, I was questionable of like, is this defense going to actually be elite? It's been a while since they've been elite. Like they, they were, they've been better than I thought they were going to be. Like I think they are one of the elite defenses in the SEC this year. Um, and I just, I think I trust Jalen Milrow more than Joe Milton. I think that's what it kind of comes down to. Which I understand. I want to understand that. Uh, Matt Green, where are we going next? Let's go up to North for uh, for the national game of the week. We've been waiting for this all season long in the Big Ten. Ohio State hosting Penn State, and Ohio State is a four and a half point favorite in this one. Uh, what do you? How do you see this one going? Another tough one, but I don't think as tough as Vols Bama. Four and a half for Ohio State uh, favorite in this one. I think this is going to be another low scoring game, Matt Green. I don't think this is going to be a high octane 38-35 type affair. I think it's going to be more uh, more similar to Notre Dame and Ohio State. Uh, from a few weeks back. I don't know if it's that low scoring, but I do think it's going to be closer to that ballpark. 
Um, in this one, you won't see like a Michigan breakthrough in the second half like we saw uh, last year for the Wolverines when they went back to back against the the Buckeyes. Here's something to remember whenever people like people really want to pick against Ohio State in the regular season. Like everyone always wants to go, is it Iowa this year? Is it Purdue? Is it Michigan again? Whoever. I did the stat a few weeks ago that, I mean, just the absurdity of how rare Ohio State regular season losses are. And just really Ohio State losses in general. Um, we know James Franklin's record in these games uh, against top 15 teams. It's not good. Um, he hasn't won consistently in the big ones yet. He also has never had a team this talented as uh, where this Penn State group is. They're in the blue chip ratio. They have town all across the board. Five-star running back, five-star quarterback. They have dudes. Uh, one of his best events he's had. He also has continuity. Mike Yersich uh, has been the OC now for a couple of years. Because um, remember, he was losing dudes like Moorhead and company. And like he... they. It's an underrated part of a uh, coaching staff is having continuity with the offensive and defensive coordinators for a couple of years so that you have a solid system uh, in place. And Manny Diaz now in, in year two here, um, he's comfortable and been elite uh, calling plays for Penn State uh, since Brent Pry left to go uh, to Virginia Tech. And that all really, really helps things uh, for Ohio State or for Penn State. Here's the problem. These, this is going to be close. I don't see a way that where this is not close from uh, the 247 Lions site, uh, Penn State, that is, they uh, had a thing where it said, quote, in losing six straight to Ohio State, which is where they're currently at, Penn State held a lead over the Buckeyes in the fourth quarter three times and was in a 17-17 tie in the third quarter once. That, I mean, that that checks out when you think about these games. It, it really does feel like oh, Penn State's been in good spots a lot with Ohio State. Um the thing that I struggle with, this would be a year to get Ohio State at home. Um, and having to do this on the road makes this a little bit more arduous. I think based on this line, I think they'd be favored if they got Ohio State at home um, this year. But the other thing about this, Penn State, they don't have a lot of deep passing plays. They don't take the top off like Ohio State does. I We haven't seen that kind of offensive explosion that we kind of expect. They don't just throw it down there just to they see what will happen. <laughs> Which is funny because, like, that question was weird, worded weird and Franklin was funny. But, like, I understood what the reporter was trying to ask. And it's it bears out in the stats. Like, they really haven't had that kind of big plays. Like, they have not had a play, a passing play longer than 33 yards since uh, the opening game of the year against West Virginia. So, and that was a 72-yard touchdown. So, Penn State's not exactly excelled in that department i think they're going to have to hit several of those plays to win this game here's the other thing i think people think that ohio state's like alabama offensively this year and that's not the case alabama is the number one uh passing offense in the big 10 they have the best playmaker in the big 10 and uh marvin harrison jr comic cords coming on just fine the thing too that i come back to the buckeyes and penn state top two in defensive yards per play um with penn state being number one it's going to be low scoring. I think it's going to be close, but I trust Ohio State's weapons more. I trust Ohio State's passing game more than I trust Penn State's at this point. I think Ohio State Abuka, ultimately... Abuka's supposed to be out for this one though, right? Or potentially yeah. could be out for this one? That's fine. Marvin Harrison and company, Ohio State, I trust uh, offensively. I trust them at home. I trust them in the regular season. James Franklin and Penn State's going to have to prove me they can win on the road at Michigan or Ohio State. Like, they're going to have to just do it. They're going to be in this game. History shows they're going to be in this game late. They're going to lead in this game. Will they be able to put it all together? I don't know. I have my doubts. So give me Ohio State 27. Give me Penn State 24. 
So Penn State does cover, but I do think Ohio State ultimately wins. Okay, put it on the board. I um I was going back and forth with this one. Obviously, you know uh, I like Penn State more than more than some. Um, I think this could be their year because I think like Kyle McCord, yeah, they might be the number one pass offense in the SEC, but or Big in the Ten. Big Ten. But the Big Ten, Big Ten passing offenses have been whack, honestly, this year. So there's not really any good Big Ten passing offense. Well, hold on, honestly. you know the team like, that they're playing is also in the Big Ten. Like it, it matters here when you're talking about of Penn course, State or but State. it's like how much better has their passing offense really been? than Penn State's like Penn State's got the number two offense in the in the in the Big Ten right now right like um I don't have the stats right in front of me but 308 yards per game for Ohio State um Penn State's down there like 223 um but Mm. they also have the number one rush offense in the S in the Big Ten so I think you look at this Penn State defense number one in the country in total defense number one in the country in pass defense number two in points per game allowed number two in the country in sacks number three in the country in run defense number one in the country in uh, havoc rate like they've number two in the country in turnover differential like they haven't played anybody really to this point but it's like that doesn't mean you're not elite like we've seen what Michigan's doing this year they haven't played anybody and I would argue that Penn State's been more impressive this year, both playing uh, against pretty much inferior competition the whole year. They at least had the win over Iowa. I think that's better than anyone Michigan's played this year. But I just I really like this this Big Ten uh, this Penn State defense. And you look at Ohio State, thirty six points per game. Ohio State, if they do that this season, if they keep that up, that'll be their lowest point total since twenty eighteen. Mm. Penn State right now is averaging forty four points a game. You know when the last time Penn State averaged 44 points a game? Was it when they won the Big Ten? Never. They've never uh, averaged 44 points a game. I think, um, who's it? Uh, that year 94, that's like one of like the best offenses like of all time. Uh, 94 mm. Penn State. Uh, they, I think they averaged like 42, 43 points a game or something. Hmm. The country. Kerry Collins, Kajana Carter. They had like five first-round picks on that, on that offense or something. Hmm. But... Um, uh james franklin's number he had one that averaged 41 a game in 2017 saquon barkley's like best season so mm. they haven't had a lot of offense i think this is the best offense pins and it's just early it's early like we've talked about the competition but we this team is this is i feel like penn state's opportunity to be honest like this is marvin harrison jr is a baller like he's the best receiver in college football but this ohio state offense has just not been just what we what we're used to seeing like this it hadn't been clicking really at all all season like you know the a couple of the win total like the what is it the maryland game they ended up winning by 20 but it's like that was a game into the fourth quarter like so i um i think ohio state is is able to be gotten to be honest like these either these are two great defenses like i've i've talked all about penn state's defense ohio state's right there behind them in in most of those categories nationally like Penn State, Ohio State, and, and Michigan are all up there um, in total defense and everything. But I think this is Penn State's opportunity. I think they're going to go on the road and shock the world, and they are going to beat the Buckeyes. Give me Penn State 24-20. Drew Allard still has not thrown an interception this season. I think that's that's the key. If Penn State can, like I said, they're second in the country in turnover differential, haven't thrown an interception yet this season. If they can keep that up and play a clean game, I don't think I don't think Ohio State can score twenty points on this defense. Wow! So what are you picking? 
I, I picked 20 points, didn't I? <laughs> they can't score more than 20 points. Okay. 24, 24 to 20, Penn State wins this game. Wow, we disagree right out of the gate on both both the big oh, games yeah. this weekend. It's going to be interesting, sir. Mm. Let's see. What we got, we'll, we'll keep things moving. We're going uh, Clemson at Miami this week. Miami's a two-and-a-half-point home dog, sir. You know how I feel about a home dog. But it's Miami, and I don't know that they actually have a home field advantage. So how do you, how do you see this one going? I mean, they did crush A&M at home, so there might be something to... Uh, they might to, get up for Clemson. But they also imploded against Georgia Tech at home. Um, was that the home field advantage, not shouting at uh, Cristobal to take the knee? Who's to say? Uh, that Oh, yeah, Cristobal's 0-5. At, at home at versus ACC teams. He has yet to win a home game in a year and a half versus an ACC team. Kelly Gramlich on Twitter had this. Turnovers have been Clemson's main issue this season. However, Miami has actually committed more turnovers than Clemson this year and has a worse turnover margin. That's never where you want to be is like Clemson's biggest uh, issue thus far. Miami's actually worse at it. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke's banged up in this one. We'll see what he looks like. Um Dabo more weird comments about like hey i'm glad we're going through these times and they'll lose a little bit because then we get to see who the real fans are and you're like you never want to say i'm glad we're losing more and not the dynasty's kind of over like you never or say was that. it did he say like we we might we might need to lose a few more games yeah. like like to get more people off the bandwagon <laughs> and i'm like that's not really what you want to say i don't know i i feel like how, how I feel like I can understand where Dabo's coming from, right? Because it's like, what did you expect this Clemson team to be this year? I guess I picked them to be in the college football playoffs. So I was going to say, what do you mean? A that, lot of people thought, yeah. But maybe that was unrealistic. And he's like looking at this team and he's just like, what do you guys expect? This team's average. We're like, we'll be fine. You don't like, say that. You're the coach. a couple years. Like, we'll be all right. No, there are some jobs you just don't do it. Like Kirby can't come out next year or Kirby can't lose Brock and be like, look, maybe it's good for us to lose to Tennessee to kind of open up the SEC a little bit more and to show Georgia fans. Like, that's just a crazy thing to say out loud at uh, a school like Clemson and company. Like, that's that's an it's insane thing. It's just little thing. old Clemson, though. It's not Georgia. It's just little old Clemson. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a ridiculous thing to say out loud. Um, Clemson, though, against Wake last week, uh, they were uh, they were not good. 338 yards total, 4.8 yards per play. The offense still just isn't 100%. Uh, Tigernet, a uh, great Clemson blog, had this on Van Dyke. Van Dyke has only faced uh, pressure on 21.6% of his dropbacks, and he graded 609 uh, there on PFF. So he he's not good under pressure, and I think Clemson's still got a top-10 defense in the country. That's something that's overlooked. The Clemson defense has never dropped off. The defense is elite still to this point, even with the offensive stuff still not being 100% there. All that to be said, Mario Cristobal still doesn't want to home. Clemson's not losing three games before November uh, this year. Matt Green can't do it. So give me Clemson. Uh, give me Clemson 31, Miami 24. Hey, somebody's going to have their third loss after this one. It's um, true. But I'm kind of with you. I just, I don't feel good about either of these teams. Like, but at the end of the day, I, I think I'm, I'm leaning. Like, I feel like Clemson's making making like moving in the right direction whereas i feel like miami like i'm worried the wheels could start to fall off like i don't even really know i don't know what this what this home crowd is really going to do for miami in this one i think this is going to be a close one but i think i'm leaning towards clemson give me clemson like 28 28 24 
Um, yeah, I think we'll agree on that one. All right, sir. Where are we going next? Keeping it moving uh, to the SEC. Ole Miss goes to the Plains of Jordan-Hare Stadium. Auburn Tigers are a six-point home dog in this one. How do you see this one going, sir? There are some crazy stats here. I mean, Ole Miss favored by six. Um, and this is like one, hey, that makes sense. Ole Miss is clearly better than uh, than Auburn. This is one of those games I was thinking about it, and I'm like, oh, this is just straight-up history issue. Like, we're in a history issue right now with this game where Ole Miss should never beat Auburn. Like, look at it. You have Tommy Tuberville. He left Ole Miss for the better job. Like, Ole Miss coaches, you're always kind of worried. Lane Kiffin flirted with Auburn heavily. It's like Ole Miss is kind of like a sneaky stepping stone to I mean, they do currently have a coach that used to be at Ole Miss. He, he took a different, a little different route. I mean, yeah, he took a different route, but it was like the same kind of thing where like this is a bigger job and it brought him back to the SEC. So like I think even Ole Miss fans would say like, yeah, obviously it's a bigger like we talked about in this podcast, like Ole Miss is never winning the SEC. They'll never get to that point. Like Hugh Freeze had that one recruiting year. We we're like, oh, maybe. But it's like that wasn't even sustainable. It's probably not going to happen. But Lane Kiffin, league coach, we've argued about it. You were extremely disrespectful in how you talked about Lane Kiffin a few weeks back. But we don't have to rehash uh, okay. what you think about Lane Kiffin, who ended up winning a big game right after you went after him uh, against he LSU. Did. But that is neither here nor there. This is insane. From the Clarion Ledger. The last time Ole Miss football won consecutive games against Auburn, Nat King Cole's album Unforgettable sat atop the sales charts, and I Love Lucy dominated television screens. From Lane Kiffin, wow. we like what breaking records. We, If we win this game, it's the first back-to-back wins against Auburn in 71 years. Wow. That's insane. We're fighting history here. Like, if you win back-to-back, like, this is a historic thing. Build the statue, the lifetime contract for Lane Kiffin if he's able to pull this off. Peyton Thorne is terrible. He's the worst quarterback in the SEC not named Joe Milton. The passing offense is completely broken at Auburn. I don't think they're going to be able to fix it. They're last in explosive plays. Everything points to Ole Miss should just roll through this Auburn team. I can't do it. 71 years? 71 years, Matt Green? Back-to-back years? I don't... I don't think it's going to happen, and it's so dumb. This is so dumb, but I just think Auburn wins outright. I'm going against every stat that says Old Miss should win this football game. I think Auburn just wins, so give me Auburn, give me Auburn 27, Old Miss 26, 25. Like, it's going to be close, but give me Auburn to win this game outright, and I hate it. 2015 is Old Miss's only win at Auburn uh, in the last 20 years. Um, so this year, Ole Miss at home is averaging 50.8 points per game Mm. on the road. They're averaging 23.5 points per game. Mm. I didn't even know all these stats (laughs) that you were throwing out at me, but I was just getting vibes and, um, we've seen Auburn play on the road and we've seen Auburn play at home and last time they played at home, they almost beat the number one team in the country. Like, yeah. there's something about Jordan-Hare Stadium. This place is going to be electric. There's something about Ole Miss that I'm still not quite sure. And I'm with you, man. I, uh, I'm i taking Auburn in the upset oh, as well. Oh, wow. We're both going there. I didn't th- I didn't see that coming. I did not see that coming either. Uh, but, hey, we're, we're, both, we're both picking up those same vibes. Mm. Where are we going next, Matt Green? 
We're going back to the ACC. This is um, I'm not sure how to feel about this game. I feel like it, it could be it could have been a lot of fun, but I'm not sure it will be. Duke is going on the road at Florida State. Uh, Riley Leonard likely won't play in this game either. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be nice if he did, but um, I think that's that's really an equalizer there for Duke. Obviously, this Duke defense has been really good uh, this season, although the numbers really lie, I think, on those uh, whatever they're called, like actual performance, uh, those little advanced stats they had, like NC State would like really outplayed Duke apparently last week, but ended up losing 24-3 to anyway um, in terms of just success rate and all that stuff. So I look at when was the last time you think Duke beat Florida State? Do you uh, do you think you can? That's a trivia question I got for you. What, what oh, year do you think an that was? Here. Uh, it's never happened, Matt. It's Green. never happened. You cheated, sir. No, uh, I just did my well research. Done. Yeah, you, you did, sir. Um, but yeah, no, no Riley Leonard. They're zero nineteen versus Florida State. Thirteen and a half. That's a little bit high uh, with how well Duke has played defensively this year. But I'm I'm gonna take Florida State to to go on to get it done at home. Give me Florida State like what what do I have here? 31-14. Ooh. Um I'm okay with that. I agree with you. Duke's not winning this game. Even if Riley Leonard plays, because it actually looks like he might play, but it's just the ankle injury. He's gonna be hobbled. He needs to be able to move in the pocket. He needs to be able to uh run the football, and I just don't think he's gonna be able to do that here. Um, they're running 198 yards uh, every week, and it's 19 in the country, so they'll be able to run on uh, Florida State a little bit. Florida State just smacked the crap out of uh, Syracuse um, 41-3 the previous week, and I think there are some similarities between Syracuse and Duke at this point. 20-0 and <laughs> up against uh, Florida State uh, in the ACC here. I don't see it happening. I just... Florida State's going to get challenged. You know my feelings on Florida State. I think North Carolina is a better football team than Florida State, and I think uh, we'll eventually get to that point where Florida State will be exposed. But we're not we're not there yet. Florida State's going to roll here. Give me Florida State. Give me Florida State. Thirty-eight, Duke twenty-four. All right, put it on the board. Uh, moving on to the Pac-12. Utah Utes going on mm. the road at USC. USC's a six and a half point home favorite um, in this one. Lost three straight uh, to Utah in this series. Lost twice last year. I'm going back and forth on this one. Cam Rising, he's never going to play. Who knows what's going to happen with this guy? He's going to be day to day for three months. Um, but I, uh, I just. I tend to think USC bounces back. It's like you just look at these teams and they're completely opposite. Like Utah comes in with a number 113 scoring offense and the number five scoring defense. USC has the number two scoring offense and the number 93 scoring defense. So I have no idea really what to expect, which side of the ball is going to get the uh gonna get the better of the other side i i feel like utah you know their defense tends to tends to travel well but i don't know i feel like it's the i don't know the circling the wagons if you will the coming off the loss i think usc gets it done um give me usc 38 30 isn't it weird we're just gonna keep doing it um over and over again because like utah shouldn't be beating usc that many times in a row (laughs) Like that should not be a thing, but it just <laughs> it just is. And USC favored by six and a half. 
I think this is a bad timing game for Utah. Like, USC just got the crap kicked out of them by Notre Dame on the road where they really weren't competitive. Like, that game was really never in doubt uh, for Notre Dame. They really smacked them from beginning to end. It was, what, 24-6 to half. Uh, Caleb Williams did not even get to, what, 200 yards passing uh, in that one last week. So, you had a... Gotta be his worst game since he's been at USC. Yeah. Here's what I don't like. Outside of Cam Rising not playing again. The Utes are eighth in in the Pac-12 in rushing yards per play. That's an issue. Like, when you don't have Cam Rising and you're not even running the ball like in traditional Kyle Whittingham and Ute fashion here, like, they're not doing that well. Um, USC's averaging 55 a game at home. They had 20 last week in the loss. They're averaging 50 outside of uh, their losses to this point. It's pretty high. It's pretty, like, the to beat USC, you're going to have to really have an all-time great defensive effort because they are just, they walk into 50 points week over week. And I don't think Caleb Williams has back-to-back bad games. And look, I mean, I understand Utah has their number six straight, but Brian Barnes. Just three straight. Just three straight. Or three straight, excuse me. Brian Barnes, Bryson Barnes and Nate Johnson, they have four passing TDs through six games, through the both of them. Caleb Williams has 23, Mac Green. 23. I just no cam rising. It's a no go. Even if he's like banged up cam rising, they can't run the ball all that well, like away from home. None of this screams great news for Utah to me. So give me USC. Give me USC 38 Utah 30. I think they're going to be able to do some stuff just because this USC's defense is terrible. And you Utah gets up for this one. So give me USC to cover barely, but what was your score again? 38-30. That was literally the exact score I predicted. That's how Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Um, no worries. Um, yeah, I just... You look at the teams that are going to give USC a hard time. This just doesn't feel like the team that's going to beat them. Like, they, you get into a shootout. I'm not really sure, obviously... If you're getting Caleb Williams to throw three picks, like you can, you can keep this get down in the teens where Utah probably wants to play it. But like, I don't see the way that this game isn't played, you know, up into like USC's held under thirty or anything like that. There you go, Matt Green. Where are we going next? Um, let's go to the Big Twelve. This was a uh, the Big Twelve championship a year ago. One of the one of the best games of the season, honestly. And um, stakes aren't quite as high. Uh, this year we got TCU on the road at Kansas State in the Little Apple. Kansas State's a seven and a half point favorite in this one. How do you see it going, sir? Definitely not the same vibe as a year ago. I completely forgot that was the, the big the, the Pac-12 or wow the Big 12 championship game, and uh, Kansas State just quietly won it, and TCU got in, and the rest is history. But um, kind of a season from hell for both teams because TCU's offense has taken a big drop. Uh, the Bryles addition for Riley has not gone great. TCU fans really just not been happy all year long. Uh, needed a backup to save them. Uh, last week um, for the for the Frogs, they had a big win, um, so that was good for them, but maybe they're back on track a little bit. K-State hasn't been home in a month, Matt Green, and that at Mizzou loss doesn't look nearly as bad as it did a month ago, Mizzou's a really good team, and I think uh, that game looks a lot better for Kansas State. They lead the series all-time 9-8. Will Howard, he's thrown for t- at least 250 for the first four games. That's the longest ever streak by a Kansas State quarterback, ever, which is wild to me. Think about to Michael Bishop, Will Robertson, and company, Colin Klein, that none of those guys ever did that. But 
Will Howard setting all kinds of passing records for uh, Chris Kleiman's uh, group here. And they've cooked. Like, the Kansas State offense has been good all all year long. And the 3-5 defense has been great um, since Kleiman came in two years ago. And uh, they're only allowing 21.3 points per game, uh, which is good for 21st in the nation, uh, second in the Big 12, uh, according to Kansas State Athletics. Um, Iowa State's the only one who's better. I like him at home here. I like him to get back after a month away. I don't like how TCU has been up and down all year long. Big win for them last week. I think Kansas State's still a really good team that has a couple losses on their schedule. But I think Kansas State gets uh, gets back on the right track. Give me the Wildcats to uh, win here. Give me Kansas State 34, TCU 27. So give me TCU to cover, but just barely. Yeah, I'm with you. Last time this uh, TCU team went on the road, they scored 14 points against Iowa State, or maybe more impressive, they gave up 27 points to Iowa State somehow. So I'm not I'm not digging how they're going to do against Kansas State. I like this Kansas State offense a lot more, uh, like you're saying. So yeah, I'm with you. Give me Kansas State as well, like a, like a 35, 35-24, something like that. All right, I like it. Where are we going next, Matt Green? Let's go out to the Pac-12. We got Washington State going on the road at Oregon, and Oregon is a 20-point favorite at home. How do you see this one going? Wazoo quietly got absolutely obliterated at home by Arizona last week, like 44-7. Like Arizona, I think Washington State actually scored first, and Arizona State proceeded to score like 44 unanswered and just completely wrecked um the Cougs on the road which was just kind of a, a wild one Oregon's not losing too straight they're I think still the best team in the Pac-12 even after the the loss last week and the last second missed field goal by Oregon I think they're the more complete team I think uh, this is bad timing for Razoo Cougs are 10th in pass in passing defense in the Pac-12 Oregon's going to throw all over this group I think this is uh, another bad matchup and the wheels kind of fall off can uh, continue to fall off for uh, the Cougars here. So give me Oregon to win and cover. Give me Oregon. Give me Oregon 52 Washington state 20. I think I'm gonna, I'm going to push back a little bit. And I think, I think this is a trap game. I oh, think no. the week before the UCLA, before the Oregon game was a, was a real trap game. And they, they overlooked Arizona and got the brakes beaten off them. I don't think that's. I don't think Washington State is that bad of a team. Um, so I'm gonna. I'm gonna actually take Washington State to cover the spread in this one. But give me like, give me Oregon like 41, 41, 24, something like that. And um, Oregon wins easily, but uh, but does not cover. Okay. Where are we going next, Matt Green? Let's uh, keeping it moving. Uh, back to the Big Twelve. We left these two teams for dead a few weeks ago, but they're low key. They're they're sneaky, as Chase Thomas would love to say. They're sneaky getting back into that Big Twelve race. Uh, Oklahoma State and West Virginia. West Virginia is a hail mary away from being five and one right now. So uh, Neil Brown, they were all calling for his job, but so they're coming off a heartbreaking loss. But um, Oklahoma State comes in, uh, plays at West. This one's at West Virginia, and they're a three and a half point. Uh, home favorite. How do you see this one going? 
yeah, and they don't even really have that crazy of a schedule after this. Like at UCF, who has the best offense in the conference, but UCF has really struggled in Big 12 play. BYU obviously just got wrecked. They're struggling in Big 12 play at o- Oklahoma. That's rough. At Baylor, I mean, like, this is not that bad of a schedule. Like, um, they won some games they shouldn't. Texas Tech, uh, TCU. I mean, there's some... I don't know. West Virginia, they're... Uh, I think they're going to go bowling. But uh, this is a toss-up for a reason, three and a half. They're the Kings of Kansas for a reason, Matt Green. Oklahoma State, back-to-back weeks beating Kansas State and Kansas. Getting back on track here. West Virginia, like you said, they blow it late and just a really boneheaded, dumb, dumb ending on Friday night against uh, against the Cougs last week. Was, uh, West Virginia is still 12th in Big 12 in offense. It's not like this offense is quick uh, clicking on all cylinders or anything. Still issues there. Cowboys are third in uh, yards in the Big 12 per game. They're figuring some stuff out with some real questions at quarterback, um, but big wins against two actually good teams. West Virginia hasn't really beaten anybody of note uh, to this point because Texas Tech is just not what we thought they were going to be. Look, they West Virginia won last year. West Virginia has not beaten Oklahoma State back to back times since, or for the yes, yeah, back to back times in ten years, sir. 2013, 2014. Not this year, my friend. Oklahoma State outright in Morgantown. I think they're the better team altogether. And a little bit of West Virginia slide is a, is ahead. Give me give me Oklahoma State 27. Give me West Virginia 20. Oh, sir. Have, have you learned nothing from Morgantown, West Virginia? You don't just go in to Milan Pusker Stadium and expect a victory. Give me West Virginia. They're, they got the magic. They're at home. Oh, yeah. West Virginia's winning this game. Oh. Give me okay. West Virginia, like 27, 20. Oh, shoot. What's the spread? Three and a half. Three and a half. 27, 23. Mm-hmm. Give me West Virginia to win and cover. Okay. For the record, wow. I was about to say 23, but I wanted to make sure it was uh, covering the spread. Uh, I knew you were going to pick West so you... Virginia. I don't even know why we had to pretend. You're oh, all yeah, in. Man. You love I, West Virginia. I'm all in on the Mountaineers at home. Give me the Mountaineers every time. Really just you're, still you're disappointed all... that JT Daniels' relationship didn't work out, you know? But, you know, what can you do? What can you do, sir? Um, our last one, or no, second to last one. We'll go back to the SEC. We got Mississippi State at Arkansas. Arkansas is a six-point home favorite in this one. And I got a stat for you, sir, in this game. These two teams are combined one and eight against Power 5 competition this season. Arkansas comes in on a five-game losing streak. And surely... I don't want to call you Shirley, but surely they can't lose six in a row. Arkansas, this is such a must win for Arkansas. Like, it's not even funny. Like, I think the Sam Pittman stuff, I don't think is real. Like, I don't think it is real hot seat talk. I don't think it's this year, but I mean, I think fans are getting, I I mean, I don't think they're, I think it's real in terms of next year is it. Like, if he's but this not, year, but this year's not over, is what I'm saying. Like, it it could be hot seat talk for sure. And I think if you lose to Mississippi State, I think that's yeah. how it happens. Um, so I think Arkansas is not as bad as their record looks, and I think they get back in the win column. So give me Arkansas to win and cover. What do I? What, what's the score I chose here? Thirty. Oh wow, I don't I don't know if I agree with that score, but I wrote it down. Thirty-seven twenty. I'm going Arkansas winning this one easily. 
That's I don't believe I don't believe that. I wrote that down earlier when I was preparing. Like maybe like twenty seven twenty. I mean, they play. It's so weird because they're playing everybody close. They're losing all these one score games. Yeah. Like Arkansas is. They're not terrible. KJ Jefferson's having a solid year. They have talent on both sides of the ball, but you just don't feel good about them. And then Mississippi State, like you just watch them and you're like, oh, the defense has been good. And you're like, what? The Zach Garnett, like it's just a guaranteed firing. Like there's just no way this man is the head coach of Mississippi State in three years. Like just absolutely no chance. Like it's a, I understand the situation, the circumstances were uh, terrible, but like it's just, it's not going to work. Like this is, this is crazy. You already punted on the offensive scheme that you were trying to install first couple weeks. And we're like, no, we're going to go back to kind of what was uh, working for Will Rogers the last couple of years and throwing the ball around and they're having a little bit more success. But like, I, I don't like either of these teams. I don't like the direction of either of these teams where they're going. I think both are headed for really rough waters, even going into next year. I think both are going to end up having new coaches in the next three years. But like you said, at some point, one of these one score games has to go uh, in Arkansas's favor or it doesn't because I think I would keep picking against Arkansas. So like your one score game here, sir. I think if that's the case, Mississippi State's probably winning this game because Arkansas has been extremely unlucky in that regard. <laughs> so if I'm going to pick Arkansas, they need to win by double digits. So give me Arkansas 34, Mississippi State 20. But I will say, if this was in Starkville, I think I would probably pick Mississippi State outright. Oh, really? I think our, I think they should they should be a better team than Mississippi State. But they're State. not. <laughs> I don't know that they are. Uh, but let's keep it moving. Um, we do agree a lot this week, by the way. I'll have to I'll have to look at this at the end. Um, even some of the disagreements we agree, uh, <laughs> like against the spread. Um, our last one of the day, the battle for Columbia. We got the Missouri Tigers hosting the South Carolina Gamecocks. Missouri is a seven-point favorite at home in this one, sir. How do you see this one going? Battle for Columbia. We added this one. I think this is a sneaky, huge game for Shane Beamer. He broke his foot in frustration last week, Oof. which never a good luck there. Two and four. Still a lot of important games. You got to get to a bowl game. This is a gigantic game for Shane Beamer. You got to get some momentum back. You lose this game. I mean, you're really staring at the bottom of the SEC right now. Um, if you're Shane Beamer in year three, you got to be careful here that the slide's not too bad uh, for South Carolina and that you get control of this thing because you still have Vanderbilt on the schedule. Like, I, look, Vanderbilt's spicy. Can't can't drop the Vanderbilt game but what I'm saying is like that's that's right around the corner so you still got to go to A&M you got Jacksonville State at home who's really good Rich Rod's already got him bowling like that's not going to be like a little cakewalk uh with Jacksonville State you still got Clemson you got Kentucky who's pissed off I don't that's a that's a Gamecocks battle right there with Jacksonville State that's right that's right I I think this is huge seven points for Mizzou I like Mizzou I talked them up here Mizzou, though, has a letdown look at spot here. After this game, UGA, Tennessee, Florida. Top three in the SEC East after this one. There's a spot here where I could see Mizzou really not getting up for this game. That they are thinking about Georgia the following week. Um, thinking about what they could still be. Tennessee you right after that. So? I think there's some to that because I think they're feeling really good. They're just, they beat Kentucky. They come from behind to beat Kentucky uh, on the road last week. That was a big emotional win. That was a big win for the program. 
there could be some come down there. Spencer Rattler has still been electric. He was great last week. Spencer Rattler was still dealing. This offense is still clicking on all cylinders. I think they're going to be able to just go in and beat Mizzou. I think this is an upset wow. this weekend. I think Shane Beamer and company really needs this. And if you go down here two and five, they're not going bowling. And you're looking at five and seven, four and eight, maybe. And that's just firing territory uh, at that point. So I think this is a must have. You call you want Shane Beamer fired so bad. No, I'm just saying it's a gimme. Like he has to win. Like he's dug himself a hole. You're saying it's a gimme to go on the road and beat a top 20 team? No, no, no team? I'm saying he needs it. Like, this is a gimme for him. Like, he needs, he's like, give me this win. Like, he's like the, I think you should leave guy. Give me that. Like, that's, uh, he's the, <laughs> give me that. Like, he needs this dub. He might, he may need it. That might, that doesn't mean he's going to get it. <laughs> I, um, I just look at this game and I'm kind of with you, like, in terms of, I think this is going to be a really good game. I think I'm not really, kind of like we were talking with South Carolina and Arkansas last week, like they're in such similar positions. Like, I don't think the South Carolina is like two and a two and four team, you know, like yeah. that's their record right now. They feel a lot better than that. And Spencer Rattler, like you said, he's still playing really well, but they're just finding ways to lose some of these games. I I think South Carolina will keep it close. So I'm going to take South Carolina against, uh, against the spread, but Ultimately, I think Missouri is going to find a way to win this at home. Mm. Well, Missouri's won four straight. South Carolina hasn't won or in this series. South Carolina hasn't won in Columbia, Missouri, I should say, uh, since 2017. Um, so I think Missouri finds a way to do it, gets their fifth straight over the Gamecocks. So um, that's bold, though, picking the the upset on the road like that. I don't love it. I can't believe I'm doing it with South Carolina. I just think it's a huge win. And if I'm wrong here, then I'm like, okay, well, you're not going bowling. And South Carolina fans, like, you're in trouble. Like, that is, you're staring at four and eight, in my opinion, if you don't get this game. Yeah, I think that's definitely possible. And and they're sitting at two and four, and there's there's some toss-up games. Like, they could potentially still go bowling. Like, so they're going to have to turn it on, and that, that would be a good start. I, I don't feel great about it. Like, I would not be surprised if Mizzou wins this game. But I will say, folks, the Mizzou record is going to look very different at the end of the year than what it looks like right now. Very. Yeah, very I think so. I don't but think it. After. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, if you look at the rest of the schedule, I I don't feel great about Mizzou. Who they, it's it's Georgia, Tennessee, Florida, back to back to yeah. back. I mean, even Arkansas at this point. Yeah. Like, I don't know Missouri's better than Arkansas. Like, I don't I, it's probably gonna be a one score game. Uh, no, I think that's at Arkansas this year. Is it? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's there's some challenges for sure, we, and we've seen the SEC this year. It, it and maybe just college football in general. It, it it feels like teams are complete. Some teams are completely different at home versus on the road. So we'll uh, we'll see how some of these teams travel. That makes a makes a huge difference. But overall, in our eleven games, we agree exactly on six of them and even some of the other ones we both agree penn state against the spread we both agree tennessee against the spread um so we got some agreements going on we both got south carolina against the spread um so a lot of agreements here but uh it should be an interesting week we'll see if i can make up some ground there you go and yeah zeus zeus home dog of the week doesn't usually like to pick the tigers um or war eagles whatever they want to call themselves this week but uh auburn home dog of the week for for zeus Mm. Well, there you go. Matt Green, always a pleasure. 
no pod on Sunday night. Uh, I'll be in New York, so we will not do our recap hey, show. Unfortunately, if Tennessee wins that game. You're you're not jumping on going live going live from New York. Maybe it's I Saturday night. <laughs> That's true. I don't know. Maybe I'll do a video. I don't know. Uh, Sam might not be a fan of me uh, doing that on vacation, <laughs> but uh, we'll see. Uh, you never know. You never know. But we'll be back preview show. And we'll recap uh, some of the big ones that happened uh, while we were away. So don't don't fret. We'll talk about uh, especially if Tennessee wins wins uh, over the weekend, or if they lose in crazy fashion. We'll talk about that too. But uh, look out for that. If they uh, lose, week. you might need the extended weekend. I mean, maybe there you go. I don't know. Just never mind. I, I can go on a whole diatribe about this. Like. <laughs> Uh, we'll see. I, I know exactly who Tennessee is. It's fine. Um, basketball season, preseason number one in the SEC. I don't know if you saw that this week. Favorites to win the SEC, top three in recruiting right? baseball this year and next year and predicted probably to win the baseball uh, back-to-back. Everything School HQ is just uh, we're thriving on all cylinders. Year-round dubs uh, for Tennessee uh, right in the fold there again. Matt Green. So we're all good. Matt Green, always a pleasure. I'll talk to you next week. Yes, sir. This is Ben Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, Mm -hmm. you're um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.